Welcome to the Real News Network. Welcome to Reality Asserts Itself. I'm Paul Jay. As you can see, we're continuing our discussion in a new studio, but we're still in New York City with Dr. Alexander Buzgalan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Professor Buzgalan teaches political economy and he's director of the Center for Modern Marxist Studies at Moscow State University. So we're going to pick up where we left off. You, you go on vacation for a lovely little August and uh, get away from it all. And you come back, you're on the Central Committee, uh, youngest member, I guess, maybe in history, I don't know, of the, of the Communist Party. Uh, you're at, you know, amongst the most powerful people in the country. And certainly for decades and decades, the Soviet state looked like it would never go anywhere. And you come back from vacation and there's no more Soviet Union. Uh, Communist Party, I think, is probably illegalized at this point. Um, Yeltsin is the president. And uh, so that's kind of where we left off the story. We went a little bit further. We talked about the story of the next decade yes. and the uh, grab for cash, uh, the emergence of the oligarchs and the many who came from the party itself and from within the, the state bureaucracy. And uh, we get to the end of the 90s uh, with a fairly established class of now billionaires or, and becoming billionaires um, and a, a very chaotic state and Putin becomes the new leader. And that's sort of where we left off. The, the sort of common narrative around this period after Putin comes to, uh, becomes leader is that this is the story of the rise of a one-man dictatorship. And this is what the story of this whole next period of the, of the Russian state is. Um, what do you make of that? First of all, we do not have, uh, and we didn't have from the very beginning, dictatorship of Putin. Uh, in the beginning of his epoch, or better to say in the beginning of 21st century in our country, we had uh, another style of life. It was continuation of the power of oligarchs with top officials. Uh, it was partnership and friendship with the West in the beginning, by the way. Partnership with NATO, partnership with the United States. Uh, even uh, later, Putin was main advocate uh, for journeying to WTO. In Russia, we had very big opposition. World Trade Organization. Yeah, World Trade Organization. Majority of Russian, even business people didn't. Majority, not as far as money is concerned, but as far as number of businessmen is concerned. So majority even of business people were against joining to WTO, to World Trade Organization. So Putin advocated a more of an integration with yeah, the Western yeah. capitalism. So he became Putin, let's say, in modern sense of this world, only after crisis 2007-2009. Uh, before it was only some elements, some trends, maybe. And uh, about democracy and uh, dictatorship, uh, in that period we had the growth of statism, uh, but mainly in ideology, growth of Russian conservatism, but mainly in ideology, and it was no stro so strong. It was domination of liberal ideas before crisis, world crisis 2007-2010. That was the trend. And it was, I want to remind, period when we had enormously high prices on uh, oil and gas. It was 150, up to $150 per gallon. And Russia had the enormous amount of uh, dollars for really nothing. Uh, and uh, it came, uh, it led uh, to the enormous enrichment of uh, oligarchs, but also some 
resources came to workers in budget sector, education, healthcare, to bureaucracy, it was enormous growth of bureaucracy, and a little bit for ordinary workers and uh, peasants. And we talked earlier in the previous segment about even most of the oligarchs, as in medieval times, realized there needed to be a king because the competition between the oligarchs would threaten the systems of the oligarchs. Yeah, it's true. And they needed a state to play that kind of role. Uh, what, but in terms of Putin and, and the role of that state, um, there's their perception again in the West that it kind of gets used in a way that enhances Putin's power in the sense that he can favor these oligarchs and disfavor those. And in a sense, the state becomes more important than the oligarchs. Uh, it's true and not true. Uh, if uh, any oligarch, any billionaire, and in Russia we have hundreds, more than 100 uh, owners of more than $1 billion. And more than 100 billionaires. Yeah. And the country is much uh, not so rich as the United States or China. It's uh, 10 times, maybe not less than 10 times, but many times less than uh, United States or China. So uh, if any from these oligarchs will decide to attack rules of the game, or personally president and his team, he will be in prison, or he must immigrate and so on. Yeah, But uh, it doesn't mean that state became more important than class of oligarchs and top bureaucrats. First of all, it is not even class. It is. Uh, strata inside class of bourgeoisie. Uh, we have very diversified class of bourgeoisie, very different types of bourgeoisie. And inside ruling strata, uh, new nomenclatura, its name of uh, which Vaslensky used for Soviet bureaucrats. And now it's very similar. Uh, a few thousand of people uh, with families, kids and so on, who are real rulers who concentrate economic and political power. Because they control ministries they and control, regulation. Yeah, executive power, they control ruling parties, they control administration of president, and they control main part of wealth of Russia. 70% of Russian wealth is concentrated in the hands of less than 1% of population. We, we know so, that and key resources too. in the hands of a few families, no, I don't know, 100, 200 families, yeah. Uh, so uh, the problem is that uh, they have common interests, but they have clans. Like in, I don't know, court of Louis XIV or fifteenth, yeah, in France, uh, different clans of aristocracy fighting between themselves, but generally speaking, it is one power, one, one strata of aristocrats who has power. The same in Russia. We have different clans, regional clans, clans interconnected with military industrial complex, with oil and gas, uh, with small difference between state gas and oil corporations and private gas and oil corporations. But difference is small because top managers of state corporations are also oligarchs. And the private owners of uh, private corporations are under the control of bureaucracy. So in Russia, state and private means not too much. Non, it's not very big difference, unfortunately. Uh, and they have common interest. And this common interest led to the stagnation of economy because uh, the development uh, can be realized only if uh, big money from this capital 
uh, oligarchic capital, bureaucratic capital, bureaucratic capital will be used for investments in high-tech technologies, and it will be a redistribution of power, not simply of money, but redistribution of power. It will be new active class, class of uh, engineers, uh, creators, uh, business people, but business, productive business people, not speculators and those who take rent from the oil, and they will lose their power. So if we have uh, not simply growth, but development, new quality of development, this uh, strata will lose the power. That's why for them it's not profitable to change economic, social standards of uh, life, of rules of the game, better to say. And for other populations, this is stagnation, and stagnation on the lower level with very big social differentiation. Uh, during last uh, decade, uh, we have more or less the same. After crisis 2007-2010, it was 10% decline of production. Then we had uh, small growth. Uh, after five years, more or less the same level as 2007. Then minus 2%, plus 1%, 0, plus 2%, near 0. And the finally, after 25, I will finish on this, after 25 years of transformation from so-called inefficient Soviet uh, economy of Soviet Russia inside Soviet Union, we have only plus 15%, 25 years and only plus 15%. And this in plus productivity. In, in uh, production, yeah. Production. Gross national product. Less than 1% per year during 25 years with all zigzags. And uh, the quality is uh, another. Well, that's kind of dramatic number because given computerization and such productivity and gross national product in the West has gone far, far higher than that. And uh, if we compare with China, which had similar problems, but China had uh, minimum 7% per year. And uh, in the average, 8.5. Yeah, and... Uh, so what does this mean in terms of the life of working people and what their expectations were Remember in an earlier segment, you were saying, you know, everyone thought get rid of uh, the Communist Party and socialism, and everyone's going to have, you know, capitalism without capitalists. It's going to be, you know, yeah. utopia. Utopia, unfortunately. So, uh, first of all, as I said, during first years of uh, so-called market reforms, uh, shock without therapy, we had the terrible decline of production, incomes, and social differentiation. We received real poverty. Uh, and before it was impossible. And poverty for not only lazy people, liberal dogma, but uh, intelligentsia became extremely poor, workers became extremely poor. Uh, after this high prices on oil, life became little better, but what we have now, let's move to modern situation. As I said, 20 million people from 150, little less in Russia, are living uh, under the poverty level. And poverty level is uh, 10,000 rubles. 10,000 rubles is 160. Say, say that stat again. Uh, 10,000 rubles is poverty level. And how many people below We that? have 20 million people less, who has less than 10,000 rubles. At this time? At this time. And this is continuation. Before was sometimes little less, sometimes little worse, but more or less the same. What is uh, one, uh, 10,000 rubles? It is $160 per month. Yeah. Uh, of course, purchasing power of dollar is higher, but if you want to buy normal equipment, you will pay even more than in the United States. If you want to buy bread, it will be little less. Uh, so that's why it is poverty. 
uh, wage of majority of Russians, uh, working Russians, is less than uh, 30,000 uh, rubles per month. This is $500. This is not poverty, but still country is rich. Oil. Majority of people earning that wage. 50% has less than $500 per month. And in the same time, we have one of the best, uh, second or third place as far as number of billionaires is concerned. And billions not of rubles, but billions of dollars. Uh, and they are buying uh, football teams, palaces, uh, 230 meters long yachts, uh, and so on, in the country with such situation. So Putin is the face of this system. Whether he has as much power as people think he does or not, he's powerful and the state is powerful, but he's the face of this system. Why, if, if in fact he's running at 70% or so popularity, if that's true, why? Uh, this is a big question. So we'll talk about why Putin seems to remain so popular in spite of tremendous inequality in this society. So please join us for the continuation of Reality Asserts Itself with Professor Buzgalan on The Real News Network.